Do I keep hearing myself talking back to myself? Or is that just my cold? You sound fine to me, but huh. I'm only hearing it one way. It must be my cold, because I keep hearing myself. You might be in your own ears. I might be in my own ears. But not intentionally. <laughs> uh, speaking of in one's own ears, a Vulcan yeah. could be considered to be in one's own ears, right? Kind of, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, mean, I think that's a... Uh, yeah. That's a reuse of a an Earth phrase, I know, but... I think, uh, you know, I, uh, hello, this is a podcast. <laughs> uh, welcome back. This is, uh, what do we call this? This is another subspace transmission. Oh, there my, uh, if, if you haven't caught already, my brain is on the fritz. Uh, I'm in my own ears because I have a cold. I'm Andy. That's JJ. Hello. This is funny because this is going to enter the temporal vortex and come out in two months. Mm. And, uh. I hopefully we won't have a cold in any of those episodes, and I won't have had any cold in any of the episodes around the recording. But I woke up today, and I feel awful. I'm sorry to hear that, bud. It's okay. Trek is back. Yeah. We said we were going to do it, so we did it. And we have started watching Discovery. There are now two episodes of CBS All Access Star Trek Discovery to watch, so we thought... You know what? The second season is completed. Uh, my timeline is awash with raving reviews of uh, Anson. What's his name? Anson Mount's performance as Christopher Pike. Thankfully, without any spoilers. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I have no spoilers for this show almost whatsoever. I know going into this that Spock shows up and that he's related to one of the characters we met on the first episode here. Right. Uh, I know that there are multiple ships that show up in this that are not the Discovery, and we already found that out. Yes. And that's kind of it that I know about this show. Yeah, I've seen, like, pictures of episodes from season two, and that's kind of it. And I have no context for those pictures because I don't know who any of the people in them are, really. Uh, so it was good. I watched, we watched that first episode. Uh, and let's talk about the most important thing here right off the bat. Okay. I'm curious. That opening, (laughs) that opening is pretty cool. Okay, good. I could. Okay. So the show didn't start with the opening, but I didn't know if we wanted to talk about the opening right up front. I want to talk about the opening right up front. (laughs) Uh, the, like they do the cold open thing of like, uh, Michael and Michelle Yeoh, who's name i forget she's Fil- captain philippa georgiana okay i i've now I also to, immediately forgotten what you just said i had to go look it up because i was like man she says her own name and michelle yo is a great actress but sometimes i don't quite catch words 
that she yep. says um, due to her accent. And, that's, and then everyone just calls her captain for the rest of the episode, so you they, never hear her yes, again. Yes, uh, Sarek says her name at one uh, point, but he butchers it. It comes out of his mouth like yo-yo. And so I had no idea, you know. Uh, and I definitely caught that her name was Philippa. They they said that a couple times. But yeah. the Georgiana part, I did not get. And then, uh, well, since we're on names... It actually kind of threw me for a loop multiple times that that uh, Sinequa's name is Michael. Michael, yes. Uh, I wondered for a bit of time if this was like maybe they maybe it still is. Maybe they're going to explain it um, as like some kind of important thing or something, mm-hmm. or if she was like transgender or something. I didn't know if that was like a plot point they were trying to do there. I have no clue. I I wanted to look up why her and name I, is Michael, I, and not I that refusing th- to do that. Yeah, I also refused to do it. Not that there's any reason someone has to have a reason to name themselves Michael. No, yeah, uh, the name is fine. It just keeps. Con- I hear the name Michael, and I don't think that actress. Right. I I heard the name Michael, and for half the episode, I thought, oh, they're using her last name, which was cool. They're just dropping the S or something because Michaels is what you would expect. Yeah. Um and then they say Burnham and you're like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> Just a readjustment of expectations there, which is what Star Trek's supposed to do to you, I guess. Yeah. Uh, by the end of the episode I was mostly not noticing it anymore. Right. Uh but you have to wonder, you know, for a minute, is Michelle Yeoh trying to say Micah? Or mm-hmm. uh, no, it's definitely Michael. Okay. All right. Now we're all we're all on board. All right, back to the opening. Right. So all that was they had a little cold open. They were lost on the desert world, but Michelle Yeoh walked in the shape of a Starfleet pattern, which apparently is all you need to summon a ship from orbit. I don't know how that works. It's quicker Whatever. than writing SOS in the sand. Certainly, uh, certainly was. Uh, okay, opening. Yeah, that line art was super cool, man. I loved the uh, art, like. Okay, they didn't do the thing where they show the ship a bunch of times in CG. They showed it Mm -hmm. in art, and they used very similar style, I think, in terms of the visuals to Enterprise, in a way. Yeah, I I was going to say Enterprise felt like the closest analogy of openings here. The music was a little off for me. The music sounded like it was trying to be original series, kind of. Okay. I think I heard a little bit of that like theme in there. But yeah, that I liked looking at it more than I liked listening to it. It it goes through multiple ups and downs in in there with the music that you feel like okay, we're getting going, the music's going to swell and we're going to have the big and then it goes back down again. Yeah, I Yeah, that part wasn't great. Uh, I but don't I did dislike like the, the opening. Like, I I want to be upfront about that i i think the art alone is worth just staring at yeah and the cool like exploded diagrams of the phaser and the communicator and all that stuff i thought wonderful. all that stuff was really, really wonderful great. yeah uh maybe season two has different music or something probably not but, who knows uh we've only seen one episode here such an original opening so far for the series i think that it was worth worth the trade-off yeah. in music i, I like it so okay, hold you on. Know, I, that's that's down my notes somewhere. I don't I don't know where that is. 
All right. Uh, what? So, you okay. know, starting. So, so do we do we want to do general impressions after? Do we want to go through how how the show goes? Uh, I don't know how how did you structure your notes? I went in order of the show. I wrote down a lot of stuff that happened and a lot of opinions about what happened. Okay, let's do that then. We'll go in the order of the first episode. Okay, and then we'll see how that holds up for the future. Yeah. Uh, like you said, they started off on the sand planet. Yep. Doing what exactly? Shooting violating a phaser? The, violating the Prime Directive, I think? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's what it seemed like they were doing. I don't know. They were like preventing the death of a species or something by not making contact with them so they could skirt the prime directive is what that sounded like oh uh, well uh, you know what we totally glossed over the beginning beginning they don't start on the sand planet the very first shot of the show is a, a bunch of klingons oh that's true we did not talk about the klingons i have notes about the klingons later <laughs> okay well we'll get back to the klingons after that but it's interesting that they opened a brand new show with klingons uh yes it uh, took me a minute to realize that they were Klingons. I also have thoughts about that. We'll get back to it. <laughs> we'll get back to it, because they come back up later. Yeah. So they're on a sand planet with the Corpusculin race. I didn't get the name. That's good. <laughs> Which I thought was, like, very original series. Yeah. Uh, funny. Hey, these are, like, gross monster I couldn't. I could not catch the names of them at all the captain or the commander until later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they shoot a phaser into the ground. It blows up some water. Yay, everybody's saved. Like you said, she walks the Starfleet symbol. And the whole ship comes down to grab them. Seems like someone would notice that. But hey. But hey. We're trapped. <laughs> gotta, make, gotta make a exception. Uh, we have transporters on these ships. Yes, and they use them. Interestingly. So we already know we are ahead of Enterprise here. We definitely know we're ahead of Enterprise, but they seem to maybe use the transporter more than the original series. Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah, that's true. There was a lot of shuttle usage in the original series. Some. They definitely use a, a transporter. Then we get to the opening, and then uh, we find out that the ship that came down to save them is not the Discovery. No, it is the Shenzhou. Shenzhou. Captained by uh, aforementioned Philippa Michelle Yeoh. And uh, we find out later in the show that it's an quote-unquote old ship. Older ship, yeah. Uh, now, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, well, let's pause for a minute. It is what they call a walker class. I looked this up. Okay. And in service from 22... 40 to 2260 it looked like it's only 20 years that's not that long yeah so i don't know how it's old because i think the show oh i think the show is 2255 right she says at the beginning okay okay so, so the show the the ship is at least 15 years old okay i which, mean i guess that's old in the scheme of like technology and stuff but what do you think of the design of the Shenzhou? Uh, it felt like the design of one of those ships from the one of the original series movies, like Wrath of Khan or something. Oh, like a was, uh, Reliant class? 
Yes. And I was like, oh, this is like one of those kind of ships that's like, it's not the Enterprise. So we had to like design it different, but it, yeah. it's at least look yeah. like Starfleet, you know? Right. It looked to me like a Reliant class mixed with an NX class. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the way. It's like, oh, we're like halfway between this and this other one over here. It looked appropriate. Yeah. I didn't have any issue with how it looked. Uh, we've gone from the polarized hull plating to having shields, even though it's an old ship. Hey, they Which figured it out. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah. They have like shields, a shield. Shields are an important part of Star Trek. <laughs> and most importantly, they have a deflector dish so they can do all the magic that they couldn't Yay. do with the NX <laughs> until later. Um, Yay, space magic. Yep, exactly. Which they use very effectively, oh. very quickly in this. Yep. Yep, we All get right. to it. So once we meet this Shenzhou and we find out who's in charge, um, we find that they need to go fix a satellite that is broken somewhere uh, in a binary star system. Classic Star Trek opening. The Federation has a probe somewhere. It's broken because natural causes. R sure, maybe. <laughs> and it's placed in some, you know... Uh, interesting stellar phenomenon so that you have something pretty to look at on the view screens and for the main character to uh, ruminate about yes uh, which michael does very well in her her log interesting that we don't get a captain's log here we get a first officer's log instead yeah yeah it unusual that they sort of have chosen the first officer of this ship here as the one to follow around. I have wondered about that for a long time. Um, seeing production shots of the, the crews for the first season and second season, how they would manage having all these captains. Cause I know there are two captains in this series and captain Pike in the next series. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, but Sonequa is the main person on all these posters she's in front of all these captains so is like she captain of discovery and and uh they're captains of other I, I didn't know what was going on hold on one second i need to sniff things are getting stuffy over here well i think the bigger i mean i guess we have no way of knowing here because we don't haven't even seen discovery yet right right so it's interesting. They they've at least focused for this first episode on someone who's not yet a captain, I guess. Mhm. Mm um and though maybe this whole thing is like a flashback or something. Oh, it could be. Good Compared point. It could be a flashback. The yeah. Starts because we don't know where anyway. It's, we'll see where it goes. It's odd. It's right. It's odd. Every it is odd. every show it's, up to now is always focused on a captain. It is it's definitely unusual. But you know on that um that sand planet Michelle Yeoh's character is talking about how they've been together seven years and she wants to, her to take her own command, right? That's true. Yeah, and, she does say that. And in very early scenes here on the sand planet and once they go to this satellite thing, we get some ready room stuff. Yeah. Um, and she reminds me of Riker quite a bit. Like Michael her, does? Yeah, like early by the book Riker. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I get it. I definitely, I definitely see that. Uh, then then we deviate from Riker quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we get to meet Saru on the bridge. Yep. The first alien that comes into view. And then we also get a view of 
the Shenzhou's Bridge and the Ready Room, like I was saying. Yep. I have met Doug Jones at Comic-Con. Okay. Shook his hand. Doug Jones is the actor that plays Saru. Thank you. I didn't know that, so that's good. Sorry. He's also the gentleman that plays the um, Guillermo del Toro characters from like Shape of Water, a whole bunch of tall, lanky. He was Abe Sapien. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's really tall, very tall. Yep. And looks taller when put next to very short women. And has makeup that makes his head an extra foot tall or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm, I knew I was glad they got him for this show. It was great to meet him in person, and it was awesome to watch him. He definitely brings life to yeah. what is probably a lot of very hard to make life like makeup. Definitely. Um, what do you think of his design for his character? I want to know what race he is. We haven't, I don't think they said the name or if they did, they said it in one sentence and I didn't, didn't pay attention. We found out very little about his race and we find it out at an opportune moment later. So we'll bring it up then. Um, Yeah, definitely. But Um, no, I don't, I heard his last name and I forgot it and I didn't look it up again. Yep. I was going to say they called him Saru. So that's what (laughs) I learned. Yeah. It might be one of those things where like you don't call them by their last name. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Maybe that's a culture thing for them. Who knows? Uh, but I enjoyed his look. I thought the like kind of vaguely aquatic look, but you know, it was like some flowy lines, but still like definitely expressive in the eyes and like nostril area. Right, made it like a really cool alien to have around. So that you know, he could ha- he could you know. <laughs> Uh, suggest his opinions of running away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, let's talk some design stuff since we're on the bridge here. Yeah. Uniforms. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we did that entire episode about uniforms a while back. Well, which is also why I brought up the ship design because we did a ship design episode too. Yep. <laughs> uh, and these uniforms are pretty cool. Very utilitarian, you know? I did not expect to like them. When I saw them in the posters and stuff, I was like, all right, I'm going to hold my opinion until I see them in action. Right. They're cool. I think the the pictures of them don't do... They don't look as good in like a still photo as they do once you actually get them on a person and they're walking around in the shot. They look much more pronounced and in your face in the production stills. Yeah. Then they end up on screen. The gold and the silver on screen are much more muted. Yeah, it's definitely just like a hey, this is the accent color or whatever. Right. It looks like uh, we have we figure we have gold and silver. Gold seems to be command and silver everything else maybe. Yeah, I didn't see like a lot of differentiation between like here is the weapons guy or right. here is the the doctor or whatever. So that is Probably going to put it low on my list of uniforms overall, but probably above a lot of the bad TNG DS9 era ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because as we, as we discovered at the end of that, I was ended up a fan of the original, I think, and you ended up a fan of the, the DS9 where we both could differentiate who did what based on colors. Sure. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. And not knowing really from the color here is a little annoying 
you know, the guy's like, I'm a science officer. And I'm like, thank you for telling me because otherwise I would not have known. <laughs> I only know that the two people sitting in front are the people flying the ship because of tradition. I don't know that because anyone told me that. And uh, flying the ship. Did you see how they fly the ship? No. A joystick and uh, a yoke. Like a like a, like a full-on plane. flight sticks for like from a plane. She goes, I'm nosing down six degrees and she like you know, there's a throttle and a and a stick and everything. Man. Things yeah. were easier back in the twenty five fifty whatever this time is, twenty two fifties. And then they made it harder again by taking all that away <laughs> in the original series. Well, certainly more pilot like. Uh we don't find out the weapons or communications or um uh, pilots' names at all. Yeah, not in this one. Or I, mean, at least, I don't know if they do later, but yeah. thus far, I have not learned. It's a good question. Do we stick stick with the Shenzhou much past this or not? I don't... Who knows? All right, back on track here. Uh, the satellite's broken. Saru's trying to figure out what's going on with it. Uh, and there's, there's some weird stuff going on with the sensors. Uh, obviously, we get some tension between Michael and Saru. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jeez. is a Xeno... Xenoanthropologist, but she also seems to be knowledgeable about everything else. Yep. Uh, and doesn't mind showing off and pissing off Saru. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the sensors don't work, so what do they do? Let's throw a person at it. Well, first they check it out with an old telescope. Right, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about the tele... I didn't write any notes about that, but the tel- it's like... LOL, scanners suck, let's go look at it with a telescope. Okay, so there's like, oh man, there's stuff like interfering with our scanner to, you know, prevent us from scanning and learning about this with our sensors. But apparently you can just see it? Yep. And so why did you need to use the scanners in the first place? Maybe they don't, they don't have, have a zoom on their viewfinders yet, you know? They don't have a, they don't have a zoom on I, their I guess light. not. Yes, so Saru says, leave it alone, and I said in my notes, yes, leave it alone. <laughs> Seems like a plan. <laughs> uh, we start to get Saru a little... Saru feels like the audience here, where he's just kind of like, I think this is a bad idea. Yeah, right? Right? I mean, as much as <laughs> we find out later, he, he might be an abject coward. Uh, mm-hmm. At the beginning here, he's talking sense. They want us not to look at it, so let's leave it alone. Okay. Let's leave it alone. But right, like you said, they instead th- say, throw a person at it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, so they're like, oh, well, but it's too hard to navigate a shuttle through this, uh, you know, accretion disk of the the binary stars. So we can't do that. Right. So Flying nothing, rocks oh, well, are everywhere. Nothing, nothing we can do. But instead, we will put a person in a thruster suit and throw them at it. Okay. Uh, Pause. Yes. First note of... Uh, here, cooler tech than older films. Right, yes. So I was also going to bring that up. Is I literally wrote down a thing that says, wow, these EVA suits are way cooler than anything we've seen in Star Trek before. Ever. Where was this stuff in, in the remember, original series and TNG even? Yeah, I mean, let's see. They EVA in first contact with suits that look not even as good as this. Yeah. 
and they have like they do have the magnetic boot thing so they're like they're on with that but they're these magnetic boots have more stages to them and look cooler man yeah do you know how hard it is to use a thruster to go any direction in space real hard like uh, and I know, then control I know how it. Physics, <laughs> yeah, I know how physics works. And uh, once you start going in space, you keep going. Yep. So you have to have like thr- like thrusters in opposite directions every time. Otherwise, you're just going to push yourself off and never be able to stop. They at least did show once she completes her little. She gets a little retro flight, burn. They to slow her down. Yeah, yeah. they kind of just like we'll pretend you saw us stopping her here. Yeah, this is definitely, I mean, this is like some 2009 stuff, and then we start to get a lot of 2009 stuff, Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, they have those those suits they use to shoot down to the platform in the 2009 movie, where they do their, like, space drop. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is reminiscent of that to me, of like, okay, they've got suits that do stuff that they didn't used to do. Um, yeah, so I mean, was... I guess they haven't they haven't said maybe this is a part of that timeline. Uh, no, oh, oh wait, it can't be right it because that's yeah, it can't be part of that timeline because Vulcan, right? Uh, Sorry, yes, would have. Although I guess does that happen in the future? No, no, no that happened. In no, the... it would have already happened. So this yeah, has got to be main right. timeline. You're right. There would already be no Vulcan. So you're correct. Um. Right. No. 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 Vulcan would blow up in the first movie. Right. Two years after this. Yeah. So I guess it could be alternate timeline, and we just don't know it yet. Who can say? I'm gonna guess that this is a main timeline thing, so that they avoid a lot of problems. I think that's the pitch they've done. That it is a main timeline show. Okay. Well. They definitely have retro incorporated some stuff from the new films into this. Yeah. And they yeah. do more of that later, which I don't know. How do you feel about that? Like it's anachronistic stuff and new design stuff. I don't, so I'm of two minds because like obviously the showrunners can't just make a show that looks strictly worse than the original series because it's supposed to take place before that. Right. Because There's, the original series was filmed in the 60s and and like early 70s, so it's going to look dated no matter what. There's a difference between updating the looks and updating designs, right? Okay. So, I mean, updating the look of... We talked about the updated look that we saw of those production stills of the Enterprise from next season. Right. And while it looks flatter... And like it has windows and stuff like that, it's still, you look at it and you're like, yep, that's the Enterprise. But Mm -hmm. then, like, let's say they had, they have the Discovery and the Discovery has cooler stuff on it than the Enterprise. Well, then that's a problem because the Enterprise would have just been put in service. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we'll see how that pans out. But trying to keep tech in line. I know it's hard, but that's like one of the things that Star Trek has always done well. Yeah, and, and you know, the, I'm sure it's a little bit of like, hey, we have this scene we want to shoot in this way. How do we make the science work for us? Right. You know, sort of with the the EVA thing, they're like, oh, we think it would be cool for them to meet, you know, this 
object by going out here in this thruster suit, you know, so we can have a space thing. Like, how do we do this? Well, uh, I don't know how cool it is to go in a thruster suit into a gigantic rock field. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't be doing it. So she um, does it anyway. Yep. And well, we apparently, get the, the the computer is controlling all the thrusters, which honestly is probably a good idea. Yeah, at least that part was on track with like, okay, this she can't be like flying it. This has to be a computer thing, and it is. Yeah. Uh, and later on, when the computer goes haywire, she doesn't fly out of there very easily. Yep. All right. Uh, she lands on an object, which she's very excited about so as an anthropologist. Like yeah, it looks all carved and ornate and uh, real, like, artifacty. Things go bad super duper fast. Yep. Almost instantly, uh, a giant gold-plated, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it, like... It looks kind of like a, like a golem. Like, like a, a, you know, like a historically, like, like biblically aged golem you know the he looks carved yes yeah yeah carved that's a good way to describe right. it and like so many like points and lines oh and my god orna- ornation so or not much. ornation like ornamental like spikes and extra design on everything and actually uh, and so then we learn very quickly as this person or whatever it is shows up that Michael sees a symbol and goes like, oh, this is a Klingon. Yep. Uh, the Klingon attacks her with a Batleth. The Batleth misses, hits the ship. She thrusters into him. And pushes the Batleth right through him. <laughs> and then gets launched off the ship and into the yep. rock field. Uh, her timer runs out and the ship. The Shenzhou goes haywire trying to figure out how to get her back. And that's when we start spinning around the bridge and seeing more crew members finally. Yeah. And I wrote down in my notes, whoa, hey, is that a chick with a robot head? Okay. I also wondered what is up. We don't learn what is up with that person uh, here. Uh, I uh, We'll see, I guess, if it comes up in the next episodes or, or whatever. Uh, but, um, yeah, what... <laughs> It looks like they took. It looks like they took the the dude from Portal, Wesley, mm-hmm. the the robot thing, and stuck it on somebody's head. A Wheatley. Wheatley. Wesley yeah. is from Star Trek. Yes. Uh, you know, it also looks like. Do you remember that one weird episode of the Next Generation where there's the like, the two robot pair people that take over the ship because they're trying to save their people no i don't well, remember that in one. dry dock or something I'm, oh oh right the ship is in dry dock right. and then yes. the two like yeah. people are optimizing the systems or whatever and then they come yep. in and just hijack it uh-huh kind of uh yeah it looks a little bit like them where they're like very robotic except that there's not two of them but she has like no. a lcd panel on the front of her yeah head which is weird yes I wondered if she was meant to be like an an- a proto-android or something. Maybe. I want to know more about that because we just spin around the bridge and see all the characters. With well, guess like what? A, you don't get to. So A robot dude who is at communications. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, who we've seen a dude like that in the Star Trek movies before. 
mm-hmm. on Earth. So that one I didn't throw me for a loop, but this one was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, the giant screen on the face. Which I think they did so she could see out of it. That helmet. Probably. Uh, but wow, that was a cool little, wait a minute, what is that? Yeah, very unexpected. Uh, They get her back, but then we get a flashback. Right. Maybe so, inside a flashback, because we don't know what's going on, but but what happens? So we're seeing Michael being raised in... On Vulcan. I, yeah, on Vulcan. Uh, and, or at least, well, I mean, I guess it's not clear if it is exactly on Vulcan or not, but pretty sure it is. Uh, we know that it is, because this is another 2009 thing. So it's like the Vulcan learning pits, right? The Vulcan learning pits is? came out in the 2009 movie when we see Spock in them. Um, but like they could have built that wherever. No, no. Uh, uh, yes, but that's the that's the Vulcan Academy and the Vulcan Science Academy was, and that we know that they're on Vulcan. So okay, um, I didn't pick up on that part, but I did notice that it was the like the little learning pit thing from the movie. Yeah, so. which was, I'm okay with integrating that. Yeah, I may, this is a Vulcan science thing. We never saw much of Vulcan, uh, or like you know their. Well, we did. We did see a good amount of Vulcan in in um, Enterprise, actually. And mm. each time we did, it was just like barren desert. So, adding more stuff to Vulcan is a good idea, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, look, obviously they're a spacefaring race. They have cool buildings and they do stuff in them. Right. Why right. not this? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so that's a cool uh, integration. And Sarek. Yes. So Sarek shows up as, you know, some kind of mentor or father figure here. Uh, they didn't, at this point, you don't know really why. Mm-hmm. Um, that confused me. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was cool to see. I think they did a good job of portraying that guy, but way younger. So, timeline-wise, since I actually looked up the timeline a little bit here, Spock has not yet been born. Yeah, I was going to say this is way too young for him, right? So, I wondered I look, I wondered if, like, oh, did Sarek have another kid? Is that what's going on? But uh, Michael is definitely a human, right? He basically tells us right away, like, uh, you suck at this because you're a human. Yeah, so I wondered about that because at the, at the time, he's like, oh, it's your human heart. And then I was like... Is this another like Vulcan human hybrid thing? Is that what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Nope. And and no, nope. She's just human. Um, but was raised on Vulcan for. Well, I guess they kind of explain it now, right? Well, they explain. Yeah. Well, she kind of shuts down when they talk about a massacre of humans by Klingons. Right. Uh, well, humans and Vulcans, right? It was a right. Vulcan human science facility or something. Yeah, it, some colony somewhere with both Vulcans and humans there. It was attacked by Klingons, uh, and it seems like Michael was orphaned at the end of this. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, she ends up with Sarek. That part wasn't really clear, but maybe we'll get into it later. Yep. yep. Uh, and Sarek's like, yeah, you know, look, your human heart is the source of your problems here, not your mind. So I'm sure, you know, it doesn't matter what t- language you're speaking or whatever, you could you're fine. It's just you're human. Yep. We get a little uh, Klingon burial here. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Klingon uh, more like their design and stuff, because I 
you know, we saw it in that opening and you see it more now. They're definitely trying to do some of the stuff that you remember from the Klingons in like TNG and DS9, where they're all very, you know, uh, speaking about their, their peoples and talking about their race and the glories and all that kind of stuff. But it's happening in like this weird, like proto Egyptian looking temple thing. It's just all very like different from how I've seen the Klingon bridges and stuff of the past. So it's interesting to me. And I, I use the word interesting a lot because they definitely understood what the Klingons were in the previous series. Right. They took the designs from 2009. They mashed them together and came up with new stuff. So the look of them, let's talk about the look, the physical look of the Klingons. Mm -hmm. They didn't go with stuff in the original series. They don't look like the original series Klingons. Yeah. So there's, you know, because the the design of the Klingon, the Klingon race changes over the course of, you know, from the original series to TNG to uh, you know, even DS9. And they kind of like make reference to it a little bit in some of those later shows of like, oh, yeah, that stuff in the, the TNG time is bad and we don't talk about it. Well, yes and no, because they reference what happened to the Klingons in the original was some sort of uh, plague, right? Or like a, a virus that w the Starfleet or somebody damaged uh, the Klingon race with? I don't know that they say who did it, but there was like some kind of disease or something among their people that you know, made them look different, essentially, for a couple generations or something like that. Yeah, damaged their, their forehead ridges for a bunch of time, and that's why in the original they look almost human when Kirk runs into them. Right. Um, and that's still about 15 years off from this, I think? Maybe? If all the, well... Hold on. Maybe 10 we gotta years back up. from this? We've got to back up to something you just said then. Okay. If Kirk seeing the Klingons is like 10 years away, Spock had to already have been born. Mm, let's see. 2255 right now. When does Kirk take over the Enterprise in the main timeline? I'm going to look this up because it's kind of important, right? Yeah, it's important enough that we get the timelines right. Yeah. That's a Wikipedia about Star Trek timelines, which is a game. There we go. There's the one I was looking at. Okay, 22. We are in 22. This show is 2250 something. 2256 is when this takes place. Okay. 2265, Kirk takes over the Enterprise. Uh, okay. They say that Spock is born in 2230. So he's definitely alive at points during this. Uh, so the question... When is... So, well, hold on. It shows in here... What's her name is born... I mean, they have to be alive at the same time. Unless you're saying she is older than Spock. She is older than Spock. 
Oh, okay. So th- that could have been while. Oh, okay. She was no, he would have been alive, but she's only four years older than Spock. Twenty two, yeah. twenty six. I was going to say they they have to be close to the same age based on how these timelines are lining up and how they look. Okay. So she's um, four years older than Spock. Okay. So I mean they're they're close. She's four, she's four years younger than Montgomery Scott. Wow. Wikipedia slash wiki slash timeline underscore of slash underscore oh my god timeline of star trek huh. with underscores in between all the wor- words and it's a very detailed layout of everything by year and okay. it even has the alternate timelines in parentheses in in terms of stuff there so that's uh, cool discovery is not marked as alternate timeline okay yeah so kirk takes over the enterprise 10 years from now okay so you know we are Sorry, I was talking about Klingons for a minute. We were, well, we're just kind of wondering because there's really no explanation of why they changed the look for a third time, right? Yes, yeah. It's it's rough. They, they've integrated 2009, but they've also gone beyond that. Like, the ships don't look like the 2009 and, you know, uh, Into Darkness and all that when we see no. the Klingons there. They, yeah, they, they don't definitely don't look like that. And they, they similarly don't look all the way like you know, stuff from Enterprise. I don't remember, did the Enterprise from Enterprise actually meet Klingons? Like the NX? Yes. Because okay, Archer... I don't, remember what, I don't remember what they looked like. They looked like uh, Klingons from later series. And they. Okay. I think that might be where in Enterprise you get the explanation that in the future uh, something bad happens to the Klingons and they lose their ridges. Mm. Um, because Archer is a Klingon... Wanted Klingon felon or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, huh? It's been a long time since I've seen that show. <laughs> um, it, and so then, you know, they, you hear, you know, you get some background on the Klingons here uh, a little bit of like, oh, they 24 warring houses. So there's not an empire, yep. right? You can kind of yep. pull that up. Uh, you know, the, the planet's name is still Kronos and all that stuff. So that's. That stuff all seems to be intact. Kaelas is still there. And it looks like they definitely have a lot of the same traditions as right. the later Klingons in terms of the, you know, the burial and the yelling. Maybe, I don't know, the, I remember the Klingons of old with the bird of prey and, and when we went mm-hmm. to Kronos and all those places, everything was old and dingy, right? Like everything was cramped, everything was wet or, or like gray or like, and like smoky and, you know, sort of felt like it was not not just old, but also like ancient in yes. a way. Yes, and they took that idea and they kept that, but and then they, they polished took the, the heck out of it. Oh my god, <laughs> there is gold leafed stuff everywhere, which doesn't seem out of place. No, nope. it's just unusual from the aesthetic you usually get of like ancient and old and kind of like. Uh, what's the word like has been this way for a long time. Right? Yeah. And I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the stuff around them having gotten an update. Yeah. And the especially ships. when you, when you kind of learn more about uh, Takuvma here and his situation. Oh, you wrote down the Klingon names. Thank goodness. Well, I wrote down that guy's name and Vok. Uh, I didn't write Son down of that none. guy's name. So they kept uh, a lot of that, like very important stuff. Hey, you don't have a house. Hey, you don't have this. Um, right. 
and you know they're definitely like oh you don't have a bloodline you know they're they're kind of it seems sort of like they're worshiping Kalis here which i don't know is a uh, as much of a thing it seemed also like they got they're worshiping to to what's his name again to kuvma seems like some sort of cult leader we're definitely yeah, so, not dealing with the empire yet right uh, and they make as much of a reference to that you know pretty much directly like you know oh you know will they come to the the signal or whatever mm-hmm. uh, a little bit i guess they that's uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit in the episode but it's not that buff, not that not far. that far right yeah. and he's like oh you know will the other houses come to our signal or whatever and who will be my torchbearer all this kind of stuff and uh you know so they're definitely like this dude seems like some kind of crazy guy who is not your standard like klingon warlord yeah he definitely seems some like some sort of cult leader or something at the beginning yeah i think i think a cult leader is the right way to think about it uh yeah i just wish that we knew what was going on with the actual look of the klingons it's a little bit bothersome yeah they don't explain it really at all it's just maybe they go into it later episodes or something but certainly not here it's just tough to have a race that isn't as important as that have their look changed and glossed over so many times yeah yeah uh, we do see uh, Voke, son of Nun, uh, here, who is a albino, albino Klingon. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, showing that they have uh, apparently racial issues in their own set of population too. Yeah, uh, more, it's beyond the the house problem. There's also right, a, which is, a skin color problem. The house problem has always been the thing, right? Where they're like, oh, you're the son of a father who was dishonored, so we're never going to associate with you people. And that was always the kind of caste system there. Um, Not clear how intact that caste system is when there isn't an empire to be, you know, in control of everything. Right. Um, All right. So uh, she wakes up from her nap. She's all irradiated, but they got her back somehow magically, which is fine. Magic is good. Yep, tractor uh, beam, who knows. Runs onto the bridge and says, hey, we got Klingons. And everybody's like, yeah, right. Yeah, Not sure, true. Dude. Sure. Cool cool thing, man. Yeah. Uh, you have a grade three concussion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it is it uh, Saru who says that? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah she's, she goes, Captain, she has run onto the bridge in an irradiated state. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like... It's like also is suffering from a grade three concussion. She's like, I don't have a concussion, <laughs> which is of course what a person with a concussion would say. Right? Uh, she sells. She she no sells the concussion pretty well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then is immediately kicked off the bridge after the captain says, "All right, all right, fine. Red alert. If it'll make you happy." Uh, and when the captain accepts that there may be Klingons out there. Then Saru finally shows his true feathers and says, we should get out of here. Let's go. (laughs) He's like, Captain, if you believe there are Klingons, I'm out. We should be out. All this should be a a runaway situation. We did the thing that they asked about the satellite. We don't need to do this. Let's go. Yep. Um... So then we go through all the stuff we were just talking about with uh, Takuv, Takuva, Takuvma, Takuvma, Takuvma. Yep. Uh, and then back to the Shinjo, where uh, Michael is back on the bridge and says, "Hey, target them with phasers because that's will get their attention, and we need their attention. Otherwise, they're not going to pay attention." Uh, 
We do that. Seems a little bold, but okay. We do that because along with it. we trust Michael, I guess. I, seven years, you know, hey, okay. <laughs> and then there's the big rut row. The Klingons uh, have cloaking technology. <laughs> Apparently, we didn't know this at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that ship is not that small. It's pretty big. So it looks like it's two separate things, maybe? Yeah. So uh, this was the thing I wasn't sure about. It, like, maybe that thing is the torch that this guy was talking about. Right. And the actual ship was, you know, over to the side or whatever. Cloaked in front of them the whole time. Yes. So the thing decloaks and Saru pees his pants. <laughs> yeah, he's like, we really should go. <laughs> uh, the captain says, no, this is Federation sp- space. We're not right. running away. Nope. Can't and, run away. And uh, Michael and Saru have a little side chat where we find out that Saru used to be a cow. So, wow. Uh, I mean, right? Like th- th- he says as much, yeah. But you know, his his race developed on a planet without food chains. There was always like predators and preys, but that was it. Not like, kind of like duality stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his race apparently was the prey. The uh, I don't they don't remember the name of the race or anything, but they they developed a keen sense of when danger was coming. <laughs> and he's like, I sense death right now <laughs> it's like yeah yeah i mean it seems seems bad mm-hmm. they sure hand off the bridge a lot to saru have you noticed that yeah there's the, a lot of bridge swapping the captain and michael are like very fond of walking over to the other room to like have an aside and then come back it's very dangerous in this type of situation for the captain to be bouncing off the bridge all the time and they leave him in charge for like two minutes and then come back yeah uh he is very good at calling for the captain when something happens later. <laughs> captain, yeah, hey, hurry! This is bad. The bridge now. Although she would have run to the bridge anyway. Um, Probably, yeah. So uh, the captain bounces to go tell uh, Starfleet Command what's going on. And then we have another uh, update to what is possible technology-wise that we have never seen before. Ever. In yeah. Star Trek. Your little... Uh cool holographic display of the admiral there i mean even in tng and tng you see those kind of communications but they're always done on like a data pad screen or something maybe or the thing on the wall you don't really see like full hologram stuff yeah a holographic projector seems like a lot of work to have integrated into her office. Yeah, I, you know. Or later on, into everybody's rooms. Yeah. This seems out of place, and again, anachronistic by a long shot. The one in the rooms is the one that got me more than this one. It's like, oh, the captain has to, like, have sensitive communications or whatever, so they need, like, an encrypted projector or something. Okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. That one, I... I, I was like, okay, the captain's ready room is the place to have that meeting with, like, high-level people or whatever. Okay. She gets to have the, like, conference room with the fancy projector. But the original Why series has it, none of this, right? Right, of course. Uh, TNG has none of this. There might have been, like, one instance in TNG where someone did a hologram thing. But, like, yeah, generally it's just, like, you see them on the viewfinder. The NX-01 didn't even have a viewfinder. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, for this type of communication back to Earth. I don't know how I feel about this. That, that This is the first thing in the episode where I was kind of like, I'm not sure this was a good decision. For fans, yeah. anyway. Yeah. You know, they could have done it the same way, but just put up a big screen on the wall. Right? Something. I mean, I guess then you can't have the person walk in behind them, but they could have. They could have. I mean, I know they're always experimenting with new technologies and stuff, but maybe like a like a glass plane or something that would have maybe looked more like a hologram, but also would have been tech that they could have had. Uh, I mean, that's technology we have today, though. Okay. You can project a screen on a piece of glass and make it look like a hologram right now. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to... I don't know either. I'm, it's, I, it's just threw me for a loop. Yeah, it certainly is something we hadn't seen before. All right. So then the light beam shows up. Yeah, so the the Klingons go full. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> Some sort of signal? They light the beacon. <laughs> um, you know, whatever it is, Gandalf arrives on the fifth day looking to the east or whatever, and <laughs> the white light shines. <laughs> Uh, and man, wow. Uh, and apparently, you know, I thought it was a cool touch whether she's like, okay, let's like mute the speakers. <laughs> and then it, you still hear it. And she's like, all the way. And he's like, no, that's just the ship vibrating. <laughs> and Saru's like, yeah, that thing's so loud. The ship is, is projecting it inside. Yeah. That's the, the vibration of the structure, which is a real thing that would happen if there was, uh, stuff like that. However, um, there's no air in space. So how are you vibrating? Well, you could still vibrate out. something, right? No. What do you vibrate? Yeah, where's the sound coming from? That's where's the sound coming from? Now, the part where they're like, oh, they're projecting it on all the channels or whatever, that part makes sense. Well, you could have a shockwave in space. Can't you? Can you? A shockwave of stuff. Yeah, there's no air to compress. Correct. So anyway, I don't well, know. Well, there is air Star inside Trek of the ship, Star Trek has always done this, though. That's not like... That part is not uh, scientific, or is it follows yeah. the science laws that Star Trek has always it, followed. Every space show bends the science of space because the science of space is boring. Yes, correct. Uh, Where like it being completely silent all the time is boring, so they get rid of that. Yeah, they also I mean, like not being able to have cool explosions in space also boring. So yeah. we get cool explosions. Yeah. Um, Oh, so well. this is pretty obviously like bad. <laughs> right? Right. So uh Michael ducks off the bridge to go phone home. Right. He's like oh, Captain I have relevant needs to leave the bridge and she's just like what? <laughs> Fine, I guess. I don't know. This is weird. Calls Sarek on the bat phone there. Yep, and he just picks right up as uh, a hologram. <laughs> yeah. Where are the where are they getting the like? Okay, hold on, I got to pick up the phone and run in front of my holographic camera so that it, I can. Be, I just don't get it. I don't know either, man. Uh, it's it's weird. It's a the bummer. one this scene more was way weirder than the other one, right? Because it's just inside of the first officer's chambers. Like the first but officer, like, gets it in a room. That's but also like Sarek walks around and sits on stuff. Yeah. Whereas the other guy just stood there. Right. Yeah. Sarek sits on a desk. How does he know right. where the desk how is? How does he know where the desk is? And also, how does he know where to sit in his own 
area so that his anyway it's a problem <laughs> that one is not a good idea not a good plan there like yeah does he it have makes a, a good scene but also where is him dragging the desk into play or does he have a, a mock-up of her room because they talk all the time that's creepy that is creepy he doesn't seem to like her very much so i would think not you never know with vulcans yeah hard to say if he actually likes her or not yeah. He would tell you he doesn't have feelings like like. He seems <laughs> to have feelings like dislike. Yeah. Yeah. The Vulcans, for all their not liking things, seem to dislike things quite a bit. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Uh, So they have a little heart to heart here where he's where she's like, how did you initiate contact with the Klingons? And he's like, this isn't going to work for you guys. Like, you shouldn't. This is a bad idea. Yeah. Well, and, and it seems to be because. Anyway. He tells her, yeah, here, I'll tell you, but don't do it. Right. And then it cuts away, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because then she immediately, clearly, goes back to the bridge and says, we gotta shoot him. Yeah. Shoot him. Shoot him now. Hurry. We gotta blow him up. Here's the don't problem. Don't you understand? This, yeah. is the, this is the Vulcan hello here. We the, get the, t- the title of the episode, finally. The Vulcan hello. We gotta give him the Vulcan salute. And here's the problem. We're in Starfleet. And they don't shoot first. They, yes, the as very clearly says that. Starfleet doesn't shoot first. And and unlike the Vulcans, where one Vulcans can say, this is the only logical path forward, and the entire Vulcan race will accept that and behave mm-hmm. the same, I feel like it has been established and established in this show again that Starfleet trusts their captains to act individually much more often than Vulcans probably do. Yeah. Which means we would not get the same reaction every single time from a Starfleet officer. True. And Michael is trying to set Starfleet policy here in their first go around by blowing them up. Hey, they respect when you shoot them. So. That seems not a great plan. It might be a good plan, but it would definitely not get followed through on. Yeah, exactly. The, As who evidence, knows the, ne- the next captain might just be like, nah. Yeah, oh, I'm going to try the peace thing, and then you're back to square one, right? Right, and and uh, Takuvma before had even said, like, oh, you know, the Starfleet lies about coming in peace all the time or whatever. Right. So the the Klingons are already not here to hear that. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Like, we have to fight the ones that say we come in peace. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, okay. He's like, oh, here comes their lie. They're going to say we come in peace. And then they do. Yep. Oh, boy. Uh, and so Michael's like, well, we got to do this. Uh, shoot him. Shoot him now. Shoot shoot him now. Uh, but Captain, you're wrong. And then she's like, in my office, Missy. Yeah. Going to jail. Yeah. You are way out of line. They have a little sidebar. They leave Saru on the bridge. I'm but surprised. Like, We're leaving. <laughs> I'm surprised the Shenzhou didn't immediately warp. <laughs> it's like, she's like, wait, what? What? What's going on? Oh, uh. As action captain, I felt we needed to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They charged weapons. We had to run. <laughs> but Shen, you know, he holds the line. The Shenzhou stays where it, it is. And uh, mm-hmm. they have their little sidebar where. Um, where Michael commits mutiny. <laughs> yeah. What a turn there. Because they go through, what are you doing? Why are you second guessing me? Are you sure? And we finally find out for sure. Her family was murdered by Klingons. By Klingons, yeah. uh, and that Sarek is involved in maybe having raised her after that. Mm-hmm. 
and uh and the captain's like we're doing this my way you yeah, get in you, line you, or get you, out you've let your emotions run wild here you're not paying attention to what we should be doing as starfleet uh my way or the highway is how we're doing this yeah and, and michael's like okay that's some mutiny 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 yeah my, my note here says episode one we already got a mutiny lol <laughs> That was nice to see a Vulcan nerve pinch come back, and yeah. also a human can do a Vulcan nerve pinch. Yeah, that's the first we've seen that, I think, or the first I've seen it anyway. Yeah, I was the uh, first I recall seeing a human pull it off. And although, who knows, maybe she didn't pull it off that good based on what happens. Clearly, she did not. <laughs> uh, and so she's like, she walks out there and says, oh, the captain is talking to the admirals. Uh, but in the meantime, we should load up all those photon torpedoes and lock phasers. Yeah. Target the neck. We're going to blow this thing up probably because the captain will probably change her mind immediately and come out here and tell you to shoot. Or, you know, I might tell you to shoot before she gets out here because I know what's going to happen in there. And everybody on the bridge is kind of like, okay. And this Saru goes, uh, he's like, this seems wrong. Are you committing mutiny right now? She's like, no, no, of course not. This is also yeah. like, I'm in charge here, so shut up, Where's Saru. We're gonna <laughs> let's shoot him. Okay, fire. <laughs> yeah, and as she's about ready to, well, she does say fire, and everybody on the bridge kind of pauses for a second, and uh, the nerve pinch wasn't that great, and, and uh, Captain, she comes back holding the old school phaser, which I enjoyed. The old school phaser pops out, yeah, with the little double phaser on top, and she's like, uh-huh. hey, she's uh, like, delay that order, put her in the brig. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of where we leave it, huh? She doesn't make it off the bridge, though, before the final cliffhanger here. Right, of, oh no, there are more Klingons. Um, yeah. Hey, warp signatures. Oh, they're all Klingon. And then we get the last shot where bam, 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 bam. Again, 2009, by the way. Warp makes that sound now, where everyone pops out of warp into the, uh, like, the normal space slap shot like instant creation they you know when they came out of warp before it was like that whooshing the ship elongated and kind of stretched right. and had the like the tail were, lines. the ships were kind of stretching there a little bit but yeah it was like they sort of stretch and then you kind of get like a they get a, a slapping slap sound yeah as and they come together yeah. yeah so uh a little update to warp there and i'm okay with that it's yeah. cool huh and then Michael goes to jail. Why did we only decide to do one? Uh, I don't know. We made a mistake there. Because <laughs> this is a cliffhanger. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> no, I think we, it was good we only did one because there was a lot of updated designs to talk about and stuff. Yeah. I have a feeling we're going to watch more than one episode here. Ye- yes, I think so. Because yeah. there will there'll definitely be new stuff to talk about, but not as new, much new stuff, maybe. Yeah, we kind of went over a lot of the like the design and the architecture stuff here. Sure. So yeah, we'll get into the show for real, real now. Man. Interesting dynamics on the crew there. Yeah, very interesting. I, I wonder what is going to happen with Michelle Yeoh because if you noticed in the credits, she's labeled as special guest. Yeah. I... Which I wonder if that leads. That means she's only in a few episodes or something. She's not in the. For the long, it's it's interesting. This is a CBS All Access show, which right. is you know essentially like an HBO, right? Where 
they don't have to meet your expectations or do stuff for TV, quote unquote. Yeah. And it's, they have a lot more freedom with actors and actresses contracts and, and, uh, still got to get paid though. No, no, I know, but they could probably make some, some decisions that you don't expect, right? Like, Oh, sure. I see what you're does saying. the Shenzhou stick around? Does it not stick? What what can happen with these captains? And it's a, a lot of stuff. And like you said, are we looking at a flashback? And she's a special guest because this this whole this, this goes, whole sequence happens from some yeah. All, yeah who knows this man. goes on pause for a while and she's a special guest later too or yeah it, well, and because we know you know the second season she meets up with the Enterprise captain by pike yeah and you know that's just that's just out of show knowledge right so like there's what 10 years or something that has to transpire there so yeah so do they do that break between the seasons oh no no know, there's no 10 years though, because uh oh right the pike, pike would have been commanding the enterprise this whole time pike would have been pike or, i still have that timeline thing open hold on uh two we're at 2256. 2256 here. The Enterprise is launched 2245. Okay. So Honor, Enterprise already... is launched under Captain Robert April. 2250 USS Enterprise refit and launched on second mission with Captain Christopher Pike. Okay. So he's already out there doing that. So he's already out with the Enterprise doing stuff. Okay. Uh, but it'll be uh, nine-ish years before the Enterprise is taken over by Kirk. Kirk, yeah. Uh, maybe a little less than nine years, if you remember what happens to Christopher Pike. Yes. In the long run. So sad. Very sad. Uh, but the the actual launch of his new five-year mission is 2265 after another refit, I guess. Okay. So... You know, I think the show starts off really well, right? So we got to see where it goes. I don't know how much of this I was expecting. It seemed mostly in line with my expectations. It felt like Star Trek, but kind of different. It felt like Star Trek in earnest. Like right. they were really set to act out Star Trek. Yes. I was surprised by how few set pieces we got. Hmm. There's... The interior of the Klingon ship. Yep. There's the sand planet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of the bridge. Yep. And a ready room and a bedroom. And one brief shot of a medical bay. Very brief shot of a medical bay. That's it. Vulcan, kind of, but only oh, that yeah, one little like, shot on Vulcan, which is... It, which is, like, clearly, like, a soundstage. <laughs> It's not. It's a. It's a tenth of a sound stage, you know, because yeah, it's, it's only one angle. A, a room and a top-down shot of yeah. the learning pit there. Yeah, sound stages are much larger than that. Uh, so I mean, based on what we saw, they did one outside shoot, and the rest of this was all done on half a sound stage. Yeah, which yeah. is surprising to me. Um, I mean, you know, it's a. This was the first season. They didn't know how successful or not it was going to be. Their budget was probably not huge and they probably spent a lot of it on making cool props and stuff but we haven't even seen the discovery yet yeah so that's where i wonder anyway i guess we'll see i don't know it's very 
I'm very interested to see how. So so limited set pieces, but we have a bridge for a ship that's not even the main ship. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Very. Uh, what do you think of the design of those Klingon ships? It looked like they tried to do the Klingon battle cruiser for a minute there, with the well, like so hammerhead the, thing. The very big one looks like a battle cruiser, right? It does, but it is it has all over the place. Yeah, there's a lot of like extra ornamentation and stuff, and the coffins of the dead all over the outside. Yeah. And it, it it is like they took the Klingon battle cruiser idea and kind of like Y winged it up a little bit. Um, it uh, like you know made it look more like a Y wing, but then you know made it look fancy. Right. Uh, I think they it's fine. I don't have like an issue with how it looks. It looks different from how those ones in the future look, which is I mean it's good that they don't look the same. Um, and during you know there's definitely some you know as the other ships warp in, you're like oh, okay, there's variation here. Not all these ships look the same, right? You only see them in like one shot for a minute, but so I'm looking X dash asterisk dash science dot org seems to be like a supplemental thing to memory alpha with a whole bunch of ship designs and stuff. Okay. Uh, and they have a lot of Klingon ships listed here for this discovery show. It's just the ship, Klingon ships from Discovery. Oh, it seems a, like we'll learn more about them then. So there's a lot of them listed here. There is a D7 listed somewhere. So we have not seen the actual Klingon Battlecruiser D7. What we're looking at is the sarcophagus ship. Yes. Takuvma's flagship. So yes. looking at it from the top, it might be some sort of really ancient version of a d7 maybe yeah, but look at that thing that is wacky looking compared to the klingon ships we're used to which is one of the things we talked about a long time ago when we were doing designs was hey there looks like there's two klingon ships ever right Mm-hmm. yeah uh, and this would looks like they've taken that, that idea and said okay so there's a bunch of old klingon designs that eventually lead to the two designs that they have it's a smart way to do it yeah, this is definitely like a predecessor to the D7, right? Yeah, yeah. It looks really old. It does. Oh, man, this D7 looks cool. You should probably get off that page. I bet there's a lot of spoilers on there. I'm just clicking the pictures. I'm not reading any of the stuff. But you're right. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. More well, on episode I'm excited. One? Yeah, uh, I, I'm excited to watch more. I think it's cool. Um, you know, it, the end yeah. end is a fun little like intro cliffhanger. I assume we're not going to get two parters or whatever through all this this whole series. But they got to grab people off the bat. Yeah, uh, and it, it this was successful. Yeah, I I'm into this. This is cool. Uh, very few of us of us very little of us can play i thought we were gonna gonna be like i don't know about this i don't know about that i don't know about this and most of it was just like okay so there's some 2009 integration here and we're kind of on the fence about what they've done to the klingons again maybe they'll explain it and uh ooh, holograms but other than that everything seems yeah. like wow cool right on yeah, so I'm interested to see where this goes. You know, maybe the the show changes direction or something as it goes on. It seems like it has to, because I heard stuff 
about oh, that okay. people didn't like about this show and this season. So, oh no. Okay. Don't spoil it for uh, me because I have no. I'm I have not going to say anything in the tank. It's just, on, Im- on it's just impressions, not okay. Anything specific. All right. So. All right. I, so far, those don't line up with this first episode, which okay, I enjoyed well, quite a bit. That was Star Trek Discovery episode one. How many do you think we can handle by next time? Mm, I don't know. A couple? Quite a bit more. Yeah. Okay. Two, three, whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll burn through it as fast as possible, or just so should we pace ourselves? Uh, I don't know. It's like, how how much do you want to watch, you know? I mean, I would watch the rest of it right now. Would oh, you- how did you sign up? Did you... Are you... Uh, I did... So, I did CBS All Access through my iPhone, mm. and uh, I did the no commercial option. Oh, that's nice. Which, I guess... New episodes of the show got promotional breaks. So, like, if you so, watched it the day that it came out, because they do this uh, episode weekly, and they don't do a dump like Netflix does. Right. Uh, you watch the new episode, you get one promotional thing for CBS, but other than that, there's no ads. But since we're watching backs, I didn't, I didn't get any breaks. So the version of that I have is ad supported. Okay. So I think it works like hulu does okay um in that there are breaks where clearly ads are shown okay um but my browser blocks ads so <laughs> i don't know how many there were or should be okay um but there are clearly like demarcations on the like scroll bar sure where like it cuts to black and stays black for a few seconds and then comes back so i'm i'm into star I trek so i wanted to pay ads. them more money you know hey also, it, uh, it come if you do it on the iPhone, this is a realization that I had, any subscriptions and stuff you do like that come out of your iTunes account. Mm-hmm. So really, I paid seven ninety nine because I buy all my iTunes money on sale. Oh, smart. Right? You get, a, get them at Christmas time and you pay like 25% off. Yeah, discount. That's smart. Uh-huh. Uh, I am login sharing with my sister and her husband. Nice. <laughs> All right, we'll do some amount of episodes for the next episode of Subspace Transmissions of Discovery Season 1. We've got two seasons to get through. I know. we got to pick it up, man. We, well, we don't have to hurry too bad, um, but I do want to hurry because this was a cliffhanger. I know. That's what I mean. I want to watch the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. You know what? We'll just sort of like check in in a week or so and see how far we've gotten. I don't yeah. want to do too many in one episode, though. No, then we it's can't just do like, like we can't the whole season. No, because we only have an, you know an hour ish, an hour plus to do yeah. this. So you know, if we did four, that'd be too much. Yeah, we'll do like you know maybe two or three. Here. Two or three. We'll see okay. After because we got to do this the second part of this, and then at least one more, and then we'll see how that ends, and if we want to do one. Okay, cut. All right, two to three episodes. This was subspace eight. Hopefully you like Subspace 7. That was fun. I think they will. It's a good one. Oh, man. Doing those crews was so good. Doing those away missions. Mm-hmm. But uh, then this will be 8, and then 9 will be some more Discovery. We'll work our way. I think Subspace will be just Discovery for a little bit, unless something in the Star yeah. Trek universe happens major, like one of those other shows launches in, while we're doing this. Yeah. I mean, unless there's stuff to talk about, we're just going to keep doing this for a, a bit, I imagine. Okay. All right, man. Well, <laughs> uh, 
Good we deal. haven't. We don't know what she says. I want to know what Michelle Yeoh says. Engage yeah. or I want to hear warp her. You know, like let's get us let's out go. of here. Saru was right. Yeah, <laughs> that's her warp thing. Is <laughs> Saru go? <laughs> Although he's not a pilot, so all right, also true. Cool, man. Well, thanks for doing this with me. And next month we'll have more. All right. Yeah.